want to ask by a quick show of hands, how many of you all love coffee? All right. Quite a few, lots of hands. How many of you despise coffee? No judgment here. It's all good. Some people hate coffee, man. All right. For, keep your hands up if you hate coffee. All right. If you love the smell of coffee still, keep your hand up. <laughs> some of you are like, I don't like the smell of it or, or the flavor. But there's some. That's the way I was before I drank coffee. I thought it smelled amazing. Like, I would walk into a place where there was coffee. I'm like, that is awesome. What a great smell. And then I'd take a drink and say, who would drink this stuff? And when I first started drinking coffee, it was like four parts cream and sugar, one part coffee. It was like, I like a little dash of coffee and my cream and sugar. That's how I like my coffee. Uh, but now I love coffee black and I'm kind of got really gotten into it. And I'm like, it tastes weird when it's too weak. And I don't know what happened there. I guess it's the, how you acquire a taste for it. But you can see uh, we got this little uh, set on the platform here. The reason we did that is because the, this new sermon series, just a three-week series that we're starting today, is called Cafe Conversations. What I think is really cool about coffee, even if you don't like coffee, is places where you go to get good coffee... The way they are set up, they are set up to do life together. They're set up to gather. They're set up to meet a friend or meet several friends or plug in your laptop and do some work, but it happens to be alongside several other people who are doing the same thing. It's like a gathering place where people can just get together. And I think that even if I didn't like coffee, I'd probably enjoy going to a coffee shop and just getting water. I guess I'd have to buy something, maybe get a pastry or something. Hey, pastries are good too. I think I would enjoy doing that just because of the atmosphere of coming together, being with people, and just what happens there. So I want to give you a little quick history. We won't do this every week, but when you think about why, why are we talking about cafes? Well, the reason we're talking about cafes is from their inception, a cafe which is like, uh, means coffee, it literally means coffee, coffee house is what it means. The whole history of cafes is they were built as a place for people to come enjoy coffee, but to just get together and have conversations. The first one we know in history was in the city of Mecca in the 1500s. And so much like coffee houses today, people would gather there and talk about anything and everything, about current news, current affairs, uh, the, the world leaders or the nation's leaders, government leaders, how you feel about different beliefs, and they would just have these conversations. In fact, that was kind of considered like not a good thing by some people. In fact, uh, Muslim leadership actually banned for about a decade, banned any Muslims from going to cafes. And, and because they were like, oh, man, I can, you can talk freely about everything there. It's like they would be probably... Those people would be blown away now, right? Just You don't even have to go to a coffee shop, what we talk about. Now we talk about everything. So fast forward just a little bit. You see cafes springing up in places like Damascus and in Cairo and Egypt. And then the, they really are a hit in Europe. In the 1600s, cafes are springing up. And same thing, people are coming together. They're talking about the news of the day. They're talking about politics. They're talking about uh, current affairs. They're actually in those places, and this still happens happens here maybe in America too, people would come and just stand up and read poetry. Even ministers would show up and start preaching sermons. Maybe that's why I like coffee so much, you know, it's just great. So people would come and do that, and that was happening all over the place in Europe in the 1600s. That's the way things are kind of like today in these cafes. You gather, you meet, you have conversations. 
The reason we have set this stage up like this, and the reason we're even talking about cafe and coffee, and this is, when I think about coffee, I think about I go grab coffee with a friend. I go have a conversation. I go have a meeting with a friend. That's what I think of when I think about going to a place like that. That's why we've set this place up like this is because today and next week and the week after, for three straight Sundays, you're going to hear this truth expressed in many various ways. It's three little simple words. You're going to say, wow, Bill, you went and studied to be a minister to tell me these three words. I think you should get your money back. I think your parents should get their money back. Here they are. We need friends. All right, thank you. (laughs) Or duh, right? We need friends. Y'all get this right. We know this right. But I would ask this. Do Do you really see the need? Do you really see how crucial this is? I can really kind of take this for granted sometimes, and yet sometimes I don't. I can take it for granted sometimes, and sometimes I don't. Because here's what I've learned, and this was, there was a great article that a friend sent to me just recently. It was put out by one of our local news outlets, WKRC. They interviewed a guy named Chris Toole. He is the director of addiction services of the Lindner Center of Hope in Cincinnati. So he is saying, he's, this is kind of his little soapbox, he's saying loneliness is kind of the new health risk right now. Loneliness. Uh, I think it was Cigna, health insurance company Cigna did a survey where nearly half of all Americans claim to be lonely and isolated. Nearly half of all Americans feel that way. And guess what? Which generations are feeling it the most where the rates of, of, of expressed loneliness and isolation are higher? In our youngest generations, the millennial generation, Generation Z, they're saying in, in greater numbers... They're lonely. They are alone. They are isolated. And here's what Chris Toole says, and I think it's so accurate. He says, we are a pseudo-connected society. Because we truly are the most connected we ever have been, right? The thousands of people that we can communicate in just minutes through Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Literally people that we say we're friends with right and yet completely alone and isolated and he's saying that now studies are showing that the the low people who say they are experiencing loneliness have are exhibiting the same physical symptoms as someone who has been a lifelong smoker literally raising heart disease due to loneliness Loneliness is literally killing our neighbors all around us. They're alone. They're isolated. Even though we have greater opportunities for connection and communication like never before, we are a society that is lonely and isolated. So in other words, we need friends. We desperately need friends. Uh, Andy Stanley, pastor at North Point Church in Atlanta, did a sermon series, uh, and he had this quote that he said multiple times in this series, and I love it. He says this, happiness comes from a who, not a what. Happiness comes from a who, not a what. If I were to just have conversations with each of you individually, and I would just kind of 
having a chat, like, hey, tell me what would, what would really right now make you happier than you are right now? What would make you happy right now? I think some of the things that would be very natural for us to list is like, man, I'd love to be able to pay off my car. I'd love to be able to pass this test. I'd love to get that promotion I've been vying for. You know, we would start, start naming things that make things better. I mean, I, I've been going through uh, this physical ailment. I'd love to feel better about that. I mean, there's lots of things, and, and that would be easy to name. But the bottom line is, we can accomplish any of those things, check off all those boxes, but if we are alone, friends, we're in trouble. If we're isolated, it could literally kill us. It's a risk, not only physically for us, I would say to you emotionally and spiritually, it's the greatest health risk around, is this isolation. And that's why what, what Bob and I were talking about earlier is so vitally important, that because you can so come into this room right now and, and, and be here and, and almost pull off complete anonymity. You can almost pull off complete anonymity and walk out of here. And, and sometimes we want that for a while. Sometimes we're like, okay, this is kind of okay. This is kind of creepy. This is kind of a big deal, uh, uh, and so I need some space. I don't need people all up in my grill, all up in my life, all up in my business. And we may feel that way, but I'm telling you, if you remain that way, you will sense a void that goes much deeper than just your feelings. It goes down to the soul. You need connection. You need community. You need real, real. Friendship, And I'm going to stand before you today as we begin this. We're going to talk about this for three weeks. And you might be saying, how can you, keep, how can you have three weeks worth of material to talk about how we need friends? I understand that question. I'm going to zero in on just one person that's right in front of you that desires passionately to be your friend. And it's me. No, it's not me. <laughs> I want to be your friend. I'll be your friend too. It's who do you think it is? Jesus. This is the church answer, guys. It's Jesus. When in doubt, just say Jesus. Hey, do you know Jesus. It's a, yep, that's right. There was an old uh, uh, story I was told about back in the day, some churches used to do children's sermons where all the kids would come forward and gather around the pastor. And the, this pastor had this paper bag. And, you know, it was Easter Sunday. And he goes, I got something in the bag. I wonder if y'all can guess what it is. I'll give you a hint. It's fuzzy. It's got long ears. It's got a little cotton tail. little kid raises his hand and says, um, I want to say it's the Easter bunny, but I'm going to guess Jesus. <laughs> no. So when in doubt, just say Jesus. It's always the right answer. But here's what I want you to understand. This is so true, and this is going to sound so simple. You're going to say, duh, and I'm wondering why I'm sitting here listening to you say this, because this is so obvious. Maybe, maybe, but this is what I want you to understand today. Jesus actually wants to be your friend. He wants to be your friend. Jesus Christ the Son of God, part of the triune God who spoke everything into existence in the universe, who sustains the universe right now, who by His own power is able to keep your heart beating at the rate that it is right now and tell your diaphragm to involuntarily expand and contract so that you breathe. The God that does all that, makes all that happen, wants, He wants to personally be your friend. And I say it that way because... When I say it that way, that sounds like, oh, wait, wait, what? He does want, this Jesus wants to actually be my friend? Well, I want us to look together at just four verses in John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, we see basically a farewell speech that Jesus was giving to the 12 men 
who had left everything to follow him, had been following him for three years. And in the middle of this farewell speech that he's given, right smack dab in the middle of it, he says these things I'm going to read to you. And I believe if we're not careful, it'd be easy to kind of miss it because I've read these chapters before near the end of the Gospel of John. And then he says some really amazing things. He talks about how I'm about to depart from you. And when I depart from you, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And hey, if you remain in me and I remain in you and we stay close together, you're going to bear much fruit. And, and I love you so much and I want you to love other people. I mean, all kinds of cool things he says. But in these four verses... Jesus says something that I think if you just pause and think about it, it's going to maybe blow your mind a little bit, all right? So let me read it for you. Starting in verse 12, it says, this is the words of Jesus, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you, which is kind of a big moment. Jesus often talked about love. He, he reminded people that would come and talk to him that the greatest commandments was to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, and he sort of takes that and makes it into one big final commandment before he gets crucified, and that's it. To love one another just as I have loved you. And then he says this, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Talk about a spoiler alert, right? We have hindsight to know that indeed Jesus was about to lay down his life for everybody. Even those who don't even know he exists, even those who don't believe he, said, he is who he says he is, he was going to lay down his very life. And, he, and so he introduces the concept of friendship, a friendship with Jesus right there in that verse. And then he says this, verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Now let me just hit the pause button on this. We're talking about friendship, right? What a friendship looks like. Let me, let, me, let me give you a little fun challenge today. I dare you to go up to one of your friends today, one of your real good friends, and say, hey, I appreciate your friendship. And you are my friend if you do everything I command you. Why don't you just give that a shot? And then post or something. I'll go look for it on Facebook and just tell me how that goes. They'll be like, and we're not friends anymore, right? <laughs> that's weird. Power trip, man. What's going on, right? Doing all power trippy on me. Yeah, that, that's weird, right? Let's be real with each other. To hear someone say those words in isolation, you are my friend if you do everything I command you. If you do what I tell you to do, you are my friend. Just in isolation, let's be honest, let's be real. That ain't right, right? That's not how that works normally. All right, that's good. If you agree with me. Stick a pin in that because what Jesus says next, he's setting them up for what he says next, and it's really huge. This next verse, verse 15. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. <laughs> this is Okay, it's so easy to just kind of skip past this. Here's what he's saying. He said right before that, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And you're thinking, that doesn't sound like friendship. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like servanthood. And he introduces that word to them in the next verse. And he says, you, I no longer call you servants. The Greek word there is doulos. Some of our older English Bible translations would put that word bond servant in there. Bond servant. And, and it's what it sounds like. It's what it sounds like. You just do what you're told. No questions asked. You don't have to understand it, agree with it. 
You just do what you're told. That's a doulos. That's a servant. And Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. Even though it sounded like I did in the last verse, uh, you are my friends if you do what I command you. They're like, what? No, no, that doesn't sound like a friend. That sounds like a doulos. That sounds like a servant. He's playing with them here. He's setting them up to say, because here's what the difference is. Yes, you do what I command you, but it's not because you don't know the master. It's because you are in a friendship with the master. The difference between a doulos and a phylos, which is the word friend there in the Greek, the difference between the two is one just does what they're told with no relational context and they have no idea about the heart of the master. I call that religion. If you're talking about being a friend of God, we have lots of religions to choose from on planet earth right now where you can do what you're told. God put on human flesh and dwelt among us and died on a cross for us so that he could be your friend. Where you don't just do what you're told, you know his heart. You have access to the boardroom of God. You're not just some little person way down on the org chart that don't understand anything and just do what you're told. You get to every get. Think about this for a moment. At any given moment, of any day of your life, you can have a meeting with the one who made the universe. I mean, that's going straight to the top, guys. That's going straight to the top. Jesus made that possible. And he desires it. He desires it so much that he, he went through the cross so that anybody, anybody can have it. No matter who you are, what you've done, anybody can have that relationship. I didn't put this on the screen for you. It just came to me last service. I'll say it again. There's this real crazy thing that Jesus said in the Bible where he said uh, there, there are people that are going to, in the last days, at the end, in the judgment, they're, they're, they're going to hear these words, depart from me for I don't know you. And Jesus says they're going to say, but wait a minute. I did this. I did that. I did this. I did that. And he goes, so? I don't know you. Think about how we tend to be with, with God. We tend to think of this list of things that he wants us to check off that we do for him, the doulos the do list. And all along he's saying, when are we going to get together? When are we going to build this relationship? Because that's what I died for, to have a friendship with you, to have a relationship with you. That is next level stuff, guys, that so many people are living without right now. Jesus actually desires to be your friend, and he did everything he could to accomplish it. So now what do you do? What do you do about this? My challenge to you today is simply this. this we talk about next steps here a lot, all the time. Our, our mission statement at Hickory Grove is that we exist to do whatever it takes to help every person take their next step with Jesus. Here's the next step I want to put before you this morning. It's very simple. Enter into a friendship with Jesus. Enter into a friendship with Jesus. Let me break that down for you. For some of you, your, what that next step looks like for you is this. I'm going to read it so I don't get it wrong. Trust that Jesus actually wants to be your friend. This is your barrier. This is what you got to push through. You, do you really believe that? Do you actually believe that the God of the universe wants to call you his friend? Do you believe that? 
Some of you have maybe been enjoying that for some time and you're like about to stand up and say, yes, everybody listen to what he's saying because this is next level stuff. Because once you actually have a real relationship with God, it is everything. I mean, it fills you up. It can get you through anything and it's powerful and it's life changing. Some of you are like, oh man, that, that to me just seems wrong. I mean, he's God. He's God. And yes, listen, he is holy God and we don't deserve to even call ourselves a friend of God. But it's he that calls you friend. I'm going to go with the holy God. If he says that, I'm going to go with that. Do you believe that? Do you actually believe he wants that? For some of you, that's your first barrier. You get, you got, it's a faith barrier. Do you actually got to believe that Jesus died for that and that he paid, it, paid, paid for your sins so that that sin, that unworthiness, he, he covered that with his blood on the cross so that all you got to do is just believe it. That's where you need, that's for some of you in this room, that's where you got to start. And then, I put this on there, it sounds silly, but okay, so now what do I do? What do I do? What do you do when you meet a friend? You introduce yourself. That's what you do. So a next step would be to introduce yourself to Jesus. That sounds weird, because, and it's especially weird because of this truth. If, if you're deciding, you know what, it's time that I do this. i got to take a step of faith. I need to begin a relationship with God. So I need to just kind of turn my life around and, and extend my hand and say, Hello, Jesus, my name is Bill Clark, and I want a friendship with you. I want to accept that friendship you're offering me. What's interesting is, if, that, if that's where you are, the moment you figuratively turn around to do that, he is right there saying, Finally! <laughs> finally, I've been, doing, I've been pursuing you all this time, and now you're finally saying, yes, I want this. That's what's cool. You don't have to seek him. You just have to turn to him. He's right there. And for some of you, that, that's what you need to do today. Okay, it's time to introduce myself. Okay, God, I, 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 want, I, want, this, I want this relationship with you. And, and we talk about this a lot. All you got to do is ask for it. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You can just say, okay, Jesus, forgive me of my sins and let me enter into a friendship with you. That's it. He immediately adopts you into his family and he calls you his friend and he will change your life. Let me give you one more little thing to think about. For some of you, this next step of entering into a friendship with Jesus, the best way to describe it is this. Stop settling for servanthood. Stop settling for servanthood. You've been living like a doulos in the Greek servant, bond servant, and that's all you've been doing. You've been religious, but you don't have a relationship with him. You've been just settling for checking off some boxes, and you probably aren't sure you're checking them all off well. Good news. You can check them all off well, and it does you no good. That's why Jesus came to die, because that don't work. What works is a relationship with him. Stop settling for servanthood where, you know, you're just not even in that relationship. Do you actually know God? Do you actually know Jesus? Do you actually communicate with him on a regular basis? Do you actually feel his presence with you in your life where you're working, where you're going to school? Is, is that what you have? If not then you're just settling for something less than. I was reading a devotion last night before I fell asleep, and it was Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback, had written these, these great devo devotions about hearing the voice of God. And he was actually challenging people to decrease late-night television and go to bed a little earlier so you can get up earlier and have a meeting with God. 
And again, he said the same thing. Wasn't that great that you can actually wake up in the morning and go right into a meeting with the God of the universe? You have that kind of access. He, he offers that to you. That's what's amazing. And, and, and when I think about that, I'm thinking, man, we don't often think of God that way. We think about he's someone to appease, not someone to connect with. It's someone that we hope will one day be okay with us, not someone I can talk to right now and feel his presence and tell anything to and draw strength from and draw joy from even when I have no happiness. I was telling the other service when we were talking about small groups in the Connect event, I told them, I said, I take for granted this thing about friendship because I, 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 don't, know, I don't know that I personally have experienced the kind of loneliness that literally will make you physically sick. But I can tell you this, I have had moments in my life, seasons in my life, when I felt like I was completely alone. It happens to everybody. I don't care who you are, extrovert, introvert, Social butterfly, shy, doesn't matter. And what I've learned is in those moments, I have Jesus, and he is enough. And that's why we start this series by saying, he wants to be your friend, but he's not going to force it. He offers it freely. Now, will you enter into that friendship? Let's pray together. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you that you would want to be our friend. That is mind-blowing to me, God. I'm just blown away that you are so holy and bigger and we are so not holy. We are so not worthy. But you sent your son, Jesus. Oh, I don't want to ever cease to be amazed at the love and the grace and the mercy you've shown us through your son, Jesus, God to hear him utter the words to his disciples that I no longer call you servants, I call you friends because I, everything I know, you know. And to, to, to think that that applies to us today just blows my mind. And Father, right now in this room, there may be those who, they've just not enjoyed a friendship with Jesus. They don't have that friendship. Help them to see that as true and do something about it today. God, help them to maybe take that first step of faith that says, okay, God, I believe that you want to be my friend right now and I just pray right now that you would accept me into your friendship that you would forgive me of all my failures that you would come into my life Father, whoever's praying a prayer like that right now, you help them to know today is their day of salvation help them to know that today is the turning point in their life that they need so desperately and Father, there may be those who've called themselves Christians for decades but all they have as a servanthood relationship, if you can even call it a relationship. Lord, may we stop settling for that and embrace a friendship with you starting today. Father, have your way with us. Help us to take that next step today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.